GBC Podcasts, local voices on demand. Hello, thanks for joining us for Gibraltar Today. I hope you've managed to escape the heat a bit. This week, the newsroom is focusing a lot of attention on the budget session in Parliament. What sort of year was it for Gibraltar? What will the next 12 months bring? We got some indications from our elected members of Parliament. The problem is, the picture painted is very different depending on which side of the house they're sat. The government says that we're doing well, stability is being restored to our public finances, that the budget measures taken will help those who need it the most in this cost of living crisis. The opposition says that we've got more debt than ever, financial stability has not been restored and, done differently, measures could have better targeted the needy who are suffering the most. We spoke to the leader of the opposition, Keith Asopardi. You believe that um, uh, the government's one-off cost of living payment is not targeting those who really need it? Yes, well, definitely not fresh from Parliament, because I walk from, from Parliament and it's, uh, it's a sauna out there. Calogas. But um, Definitely. But no, I don't think it's, it's targeting those on, on low incomes properly, because look, I mean, if, if, the, if the government has a, has a specific pot of money to distribute, to target assistance to people in low income, well, then it should do so properly. That's why we call these election handouts. They're going to be paid in September when we might be in the middle of the campaign or weeks away from an election campaign. Those handouts are being paid to people on incomes well up to... Uh, up to 100,000. So I gave the example last night of two senior civil servants who might have uh, a household income. Two senior civil servants might have a joint household income of £190,000. Yet they, they are receiving that. And someone in the private sector is looking at that, thinking they're contributing their tax monies to that. And they might think, rightly, that that's not a very fair situation targeting the low income. And so I think what should have happened really is that if you're targeting the low income, you take the batch of people on 50,000 below or you take average income and below and then you uh, target people properly and you can give them more money because at the end of the day also we've got to recognise that public sector workers have not had a pay rise in four years. Okay, so so you would have you agree with the principle of helping people, but you don't agree with the lines being drawn. Hundred thousand pounds is too high. Well, absolutely, because I mean we have said. I mean that's why we welcomed the measures that had to do with the uh, targeting of assistance to people on disability benefits or or pensioners, um, those on low income. I mean we agree with the principle of minimum that. wage. Um, minimum wage. We welcomed that yesterday. But in terms of this particular measure, I mean, there's two aspects to this measure. First of all, it's the shamelessness of the fact that it's an election handout. It's, I think it's quite a shameless exercise. And it's not really, because if, if, if you were really trying to target low income uh, people in the public sector, well, then you would do it properly, target only those on low income because it's a cost of living situation and, and you th- channel all that money into those on, on low income. I had this discussion with one of our listeners before coming on air and he said to me, show me a government who hasn't offered sweeteners before a general election. Well, it's the GSLP style, more than ours, actually. Because, so the GSD you know, didn't it, it used goes, to do it? It goes back uh, uh, a long way. All I'm saying is that we are in the worst financial situation ever. I mean, we've gone from... Uh, Mr. Bigardo's toughest budget ever last year, that was his headline, to now miraculously he's able to splash around some cash uh, in election handouts and calls this 
uh, presents this as a, as a budget with a cash surplus that we say is built on a hopeless fiction. The reality is that we are not much better off than we were last year. Last year they overspent on their budget, this year they've overspent on their budget. The fragility of the, of the public finances is still there. All that's changed is that we are weeks, months away from an election. The chief minister made the case that uh, the overspend comes in health, which is demand-driven. As I understand it, you can't predict how unhealthy people are going to be that year and, and what your costs are going to be. And in respect of the electricity authority, the price of fuel has shot up owing to global events, well, uh, the, I, the war in uh, Ukraine. But we warned last year that the health figures were unrealistic. That's why we say the cash surplus, the budget surplus, is built on a hopeless fiction. Because we warned last year that the health budget last year, which was projected to to spend $128 million, was never going to spend $128 million. What happened this year? They spent $155 million in health. We were right that those figures were unrealistic. We look at this this year's budget, they are projecting 129 million spent for the health authority when they spent 155 million last year. What, what's the effect of that? They've got to spend 26 billion less in the health authority. When you actually do the granular exercise of checking where those cuts are coming from, they're coming from parts of the budget where it's not possible that they are going to achieve those savings. And, and that's why we say a hopeless the, fiction. The, 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 bu the budget surplus is a hopeless fiction, added to the fact, Jonathan, just make this final point, added to the fact that the budget measures themselves announced yesterday are probably going to cost upwards of 15 million. So, so what you're saying is the, the government um, is portraying a picture of, of restoring financial stability so that they can run with that for the general election and tell people, we're back on track, we've done it. Uh, but, but in reality, there's, there's very little chance of, of us meeting those targets. Well, that's exactly right. It's a convenient narrative because we're weeks and months away. In reality, nothing's changed in 12 months. We've still got $1.9 in debt, gross and indirect. Uh, direct and indirect debt, and we are still in effectively the same situation we were in last 12 months. Is it difficult for you to, to, to do your budget speech and, and to say the government's portrayal of public finances is not correct uh, and therefore we need to take stock of where we are uh, with public finances really before we decide what we can do should we be elected into government? Isn't that a difficult position? It might be a principled position, but isn't it a difficult position to take? Because ultimately, uh, you know, we're, we're at, at election time, people are going to be looking at a set of promises. And, and, and what it means is that you can't, you don't really know what you can promise. Well, no, I mean, I think it is actually the, the, the reality. I mean, when you are elected to government, you you would want to take stock. You're inheriting someone else's budget. Look, when, when we were elected to budget uh, to, uh, to government in 1996, we were elected when the GSLP administration, Joe Bolsonaro, had already published the estimates book. So our first budget in 1996 was on the GSLP's published estimates. And so we adopted, inherited that, and then, of course, had to take stock uh, and and assess what could be done, but that of course did not affect but, uh, our ability. My question is specifically the, about promises, though. I understand. Uh, why I, should people out, Why uh, should people vote for you? Well, because uh, that doesn't affect. Uh, we need to take stock of what there is, because there is a jungle of companies out there where they've stashed away hundreds of millions of pounds. But that, even though that is the case in terms of the long term financial planning that we have to do, 
we are still in a position, we think, that to be able to make a, a view, and which will set, be set out in our manifesto, of a conservative set of promises that for the future, both in terms of financial governance, democratic governance, and providing a bright future, which, which we say is about reforming the health service, reforming social services, and indeed reforming things like the environment, quality of life issues. And if I may, just before we leave, Mr. Sopardi, there was a, a moment in your speech which we played in the highlights in the news last night, which was uh, quite a, a sort of a strong, uh, rising, emotional um, the heat is turning up before the general election. No? Well, it's inevitable, isn't it, that the heat is turning up, especially when certain buttons are, are pressed. But uh, and, we, and we welcome it. Look, I mean, we're, we're fighting fit and ready. We've been ready for a long time because we thought there would be a pre-summer election. So, so bring it on and let's have the election as soon as possible. A lot of people want change and there's an urgency for change. And do you think you'll be voted in? Well, we certainly hope so. It's, not, it's a matter for the people of Gibraltar. We certainly think we have a very good chance of, of persuading a majority of people to back the GSD and get Gibraltar back on track. Thanks for listening to those highlights from Gibraltar today. I'm Kelly M. Borge, the show's producer. We're live on Radio Gibraltar Monday to Friday from 1 to 2 getting behind the headlines. And you can catch up here whenever you like. Until next time, have a good one. GBC Podcasts, local voices on demand.